Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 12 of the Dorset Growth Hub Podcast. In this episode, Nick speaks to Cressida Granger, who's the Managing Director of MathMoss. MathMoss was founded in 1963 by the inventor of the lava lamp, and since then millions of lava lamps have been manufactured in Dorset and sold throughout the world, gaining a whole host of business and marketing awards, including two Queen's Awards for Export. Nick talks to Cressida about what innovation looks like in an established company and how their timely planning to deal with Brexit meant not losing sales, all whilst keeping a low churn with their labour force. This podcast is supported by Bournemouth University and we are delighted to confirm that the BU Business School has been successful in obtaining the Small Business Charter Award. If you enjoy the episode, please do go subscribe and we'd love you to leave a review. And now over to Nick and into the episode. So it's Nick Gregory here from Dorset Growth Hub, um, talking to Cressida Granger of MathMoss. So I wonder if you could tell us, Cressida, a little about yourself and about MathMoss and how you came to be there and how it came to be here at this this stage of the century, so to speak. Well, MathMoss was founded by the inventor of lava lamps, Edward Craven Walker, uh, back in 1963, in Poole, in fact, in Dorset, and been here ever since. And I've been here, well, nearly my whole working life, really since 1989. And before then, I was a what you'd call vintage dealer, dealing in 1960s and 70s furniture and lighting beforehand. Amazing. So it's an iconic product, and, and a lot of people don't know that it was invented and originated in pools. So part of what we're doing this month at the Growth Hub is talking about innovation. So it might seem a bit counterintuitive to be talking to you about innovation when this is a which is a, a sort of a product everyone remembers from way back when. But so how do you bring innovation into what you're doing at MathMoss at the moment? Well, we, we are launching new products all the time. So although we're still making the classic Astro design, uh, for instance, last week we launched uh, a new version of it called Astro Vinyl, which has grooves on the metal like a vinyl record and is anodized black and has a special lead like a, a Fender guitar in a special box. So we, we innovate in our classic products and we also launch new designs of Lava Lamp as well. So innovation is very much at the core of what we do. But uh, as a product, going way back when, it, innovation, how did it actually work? I know it's a silly question, but I've always wanted to know, but I thought I'd ask you while I'm, while I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's two liquids, two immiscible liquids that don't mix. So one is mainly water and one is mainly wax. And then there's a bulb underneath and the bulb heats up the wax, and as it heats up, it gets lighter and it rises, um, and then it cools and it comes down, and, and it, it's a continual process of rising and cooling. Well, do you know what? I've always wanted to know that. Thank you very much for that one. <laughs> so you say you're innovating now at the moment with different products, sort of the key products stay the same, but did I hear you're making large size ones as well to go in offices and places like that? Yeah, we make uh, kind of mid-size lava lamps and uh, and we have something interesting coming in the autumn in terms of size. So yeah, we make little ones, we make big ones, we make wall-mounted ones, candle-powered ones, all sorts of different lava lamps, but always the sort of best quality ones you can buy. So I've had conversations, I know, with some of your team around, I know that Brexit's affected you quite significantly in that rules of origin have made a difference to how you run your business. So could you talk us through, because I think this is a quite a common issue that people have run into with Brexit. I wonder 
what problems came up and how have you managed to circumvent them? Um, well, we were preparing for Brexit, well, for years, really. So we established a relationship with the German Fulfillment House so that we could hold stock for all our EU customers in Germany. And we are mainly a web web sale, so we sell direct-to-consumer one lamp at a time. So it's not really possible to do that from Britain anymore. So we set that up, um, and then we registered for VAT all across Europe. We have authorised representatives for VAT, for product compliance, for... We have importers of record. I mean, there is a now a mountain of paperwork that you have to deal with for Brexit and lots of delays and cost. But, you know, we've done it all. Um, it was really important because, you know, more than half our sales are into continental Europe. So, yeah, we've been preparing for a long time. And I think we've reassured our customers that there'd be no extra costs or delays to their orders and we continue to sell well into the EU. So I mean, it's very interesting. I've been having talks with the Institute of Exporting, and I think a lot of people, or one of the things that's come up is importing to Europe. A lot of people have walked away from it and said it's just it's too difficult. But clearly they didn't do their homework. And I'm very interested in what you're saying is that it's cost money and you needed to plan it. But it is possible at the end of the day, having a deal with Australia and Japan is all very well. But most people's biggest chance of selling is into Europe. And I'm have you got any hints or tips to give people who've walked away and thought, no, it's not for me, I'm going to have to give it up? Because several have. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, I think, you know, while things were settling down right at the beginning, it is settling down now. I would say to people to look at it again. I mean, the, the DTI has enormous, there's enormous amount of help out there to access. So, you know, I would say look at it again start with your biggest market. I think you probably, you know, depending on the cost of your products, but fulfillment really does help it enormous, enormously because end customers don't want to end up with a big sort of, you know, a big fee on delivery and they want to feel they can return product they don't like. But, you know, it is our, you know, it's our biggest, closest market and there are problems anywhere. So it's it's not like it's easy to sell to the States or anywhere else. It's going to be raft of issues wherever you're selling exports but there is loads of help but having having had this sort of three four months now how have your sales did they dip and have you gotten them back again or did you manage to carry on fairly seamlessly and absorb the paperwork yeah we carried on seamlessly we just worked harder behind the scenes it's very interesting so i think that's a really interesting lesson that everyone who's listening it can be done and i think what Cressida said is right. If you've given up and gone away, you probably hadn't done your homework. So have a look now, now the panic's over and get some help, get some to look in your granular situation and identify where you are and then try again. I think that's the message. Would you agree? Yes, I would. To question, where do the new ideas come from? Because I know originally an iconic product. So how do you come up with the new ideas for the new products? Have you got a process or does you just sort of brainstorm? How does, how does that sort of work? Well, ideas come from all over the business, actually, or, or from customers. Indeed, you know, we did a survey with our customers last summer, and we, we were thrilled. We had a massive response um, and enormous numbers of ideas from people. We have really, you know, great fans and, you know, brand advocates. So, um, but, you know, ideas sometimes come from, obviously, from the design department here, from marketing 
but from you know people on the shop floor, ideas come from all over the place, and and you usually lose whose idea it initially was um, in the mists of time. So um, I was trying to remember whose idea it was, the Astro Vinyl. I really can't remember. <laughs> I think everybody claims it for themselves. I'm sure it was my idea. Oh, it's almost certainly yours. <laughs> almost certainly. <laughs> so what do you think, looking at your business, what has the biggest impact on sales and growth? What's driving it really? Is it the, I know it's a mixture of issues, but what would the key issue be for you? Because I guess your product is much copied. I wonder what, what's the key issue for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, our, our product is hugely copied. And, um, you know, at the end of the 90s, we had a monopoly and then we were copied and it was, you know, carnage, really. And it took us years to recover and find a new way forward. So now, the, you know, the copies don't worry me that much. We have loads of copies. They're all inferior to ours. We try and, you know, occupy the top bit of the market. You know, we're the real deal, if you like. We're the inventors. We make the best quality, um, you know, the most desirable lamps. We have loads of collectors. People resell them. You can get spares for them. So, you know, um, yeah, are the drivers for growth, really. I mean, sadly, you know, awfully to say, you know, COVID has been good for sales of homeware because people have been at home. And lava lamps are very relaxing. You know, people have enjoyed having them in their home spaces and looking at them to, you know, to relax during these, you know, difficult times. And of course, sales online have also grown. So we've, we're in a, we've been in a kind of sweet spot of being able to grow our business during this period. That's, that's really good news. So you hark back to quality and being the original. So even though you're innovating with different products and different designs, the key to it is you're selling quality really and the originality. The original and best, like Levi's or Harley Davidson's, it's the exactly that. You know, we're 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 the brand. You know, we're the you know we're the, we're the original ones, and you know, having good quality is is paramount, really. Um, and making in Britain, and really ensuring that the products that leave the factory are you know really perfect. Of course, we they're not absolutely perfect every time. Every, every, you know, no, no mistakes, no rubbish. Your house uh, is. <laughs> I'm you so know, impressed. We work really hard at it. We really do. How many people are you in in Mathmos in total? Uh, we, we're thirty, right, at the moment, and there will be more at Christmas. You know, we're very seasonal. I think we managed to give you a grant to do what was that project that we the Growth Hub managed to get you a grant for to do something. I think what was what was that for? Yeah, so we invested in our lava lamp mix line. So we we fill all our lava lamps you know, by hand in a bespoke mix line in our factory in Poole. And we've been able to, with a grant and our own funds, to invest in making it much more productive and make so we can make more and we can make different ones. And that's been great. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, so I wasn't asking for, I just wondered what it had gone into because <laughs> yeah. no, no one tells me what goes on, as you can imagine, yeah. <laughs> So how, how does the, you've got new brands and you're updating your, obviously your work, how you work in your factory. So, and you've got new brands upcoming, which we've talked about, but what's, how does the future look then for a company of your sort of size? What are the barriers to growth? What, what would help? What, what could we do or could the government do? Because lots of businesses are your kind of size, the sort of the SME, Mittelstand, the mm. Germans would say business turning out an iconic product. So what could 
the local government or big government do to help you in your in your journey do you think well i suppose i mean you know there's lots of help now um you know we're looking to expand into new markets and um there's lots of help looking at the states and different markets which is really appreciated i mean we sometimes struggle to get time to access you know to to make the most of all the help while we're sort of doing everything else i you know i suppose government could stop making last minute changes to everything the whole time um <laughs> <laughs> so that we don't spend our entire lives uh doing something and then doing it again in a different way tomorrow um that would be marvelous oh so yes i mean uh, yes, I, I was <laughs> laughing to myself this morning about the industrial strategy, which everyone was engaged with, and then suddenly mm. it was just binned, and it now is build back better. Yeah. So the government's new yeah. strategy is build back better, whereas industrial strategy that everybody took on loads of consultants and <laughs> industrial strategy, now interested anymore, all gone. So is there any help that manufacturing could do are you part of the dorset engineering manufacturing cluster or anything like that is that something that's useful no um it would be i mean to be honest with the yeah yeah i'm sure we could do with some external sets of eyes on our processes to improve them um that would be great but overall the future will you grow terrifically or just gradually increase what's your plan to grow for mathmos yeah, I mean, we will grow. We have grown over the last year quite a lot. And we continue to grow this year against last year, which is great. Because things have changed so much, it's, you know, it's very hard to plan because you don't really know how the pandemic is going to pan out and how it's going to play against your sales. So um, we're kind of planning for several different scenarios all at once. Budgeting is takes on a rather surreal kind of activity. But, um, yeah, definitely the plan is to grow. I mean, what's lovely is to grow at a sensible, you know, nice pace where you're in control. Um, In my experience of Mathmos, it's not always like that. That's what you want, but uh, often your growth is big or down or, you know, it's not, you're not always in control of it. So, uh, you know, our goal is to grow strongly, but not too strongly. And the potential growth markets are what the state's, China or Europe? Europe is your major market now. Yeah. I mean, our first goal would be to serve our current customers. And there's quite a lot of appetite for limited editions and special fills. And we do all sorts of special things for our current customers. And that's great. So our first port of call would be our current customers in Britain and Europe. And, and after that, to add new customers in the States and Asia. So just to, I mean, we're working with Bournemouth University on these podcasts. So is there anything that the universities or colleges could do, which would, I mean, we've talked this morning about skills shortages. Are are you thinking you're going to be able to recruit the kind of people you need to work for you? Or uh, do you need more skilled people, more graduates, or is it on the job training? Yeah, I mean, I guess in Dorset, when you're looking for somebody with very specific skills, there's not as much choice as there would be in a in a big urban centre. Although, you know, Bournemouth and Paul is, you know, better and better all the time. And we have, we have, we've been, we've made quite a few recruits recently and we've got, you know, some really great people have started with us. Certainly on the technical side, it's, there's, you know, it would be great that there was a bigger pool of talent to recruit from. 
but you know we manage fine and and Bournemouth and Paul is a great place to live and work and you know there is there is a good pool of talent here I think it's a great place to have a small business so it's not a limiting factor really that workforce isn't a limiting yeah we're not finding the big problems that I mean I think in in years past seasonal staff at Christmas have been a big issue for us as lots of local businesses Um, and I know that some local businesses were sort of bussing people in from Portsmouth and all sorts of things because it was just you know full employment which is a wonderful thing to have but that creates problems when you're looking for seasonal staff but you know we've been pretty lucky I think Mathmos is a nice place to work and we don't have a lot of churn. People do tend to stay. So we're, we're not experiencing big problems. Just slightly, I, I don't think it's really relevant to you, but with this whole talk about hybrid people working from home and furlough and whatever, I guess you didn't furlough anybody by the sound of it. You obviously just kept going. Well, we did. We furloughed one part-time person very, very briefly before we realised what was going to happen. Yeah. But do, can you can anybody work from home with you, or is it really basically everybody has to be in there to to get it done? Uh, well, all the manufacturing staff have been in, and we we've been very lucky. We moved factory to a larger factory just before lockdown, so we've been able to work safely throughout, which has been fantastic. Because we never would have been able to continue in the old factory. All our office staff were at home uh, for a lot of the time. We're now bringing people in, kind of two days a week. But it's horses for courses. Um, some people, new people are kind of in most of the time because they're learning. And um, we have a lot of space here. So we, we're able to operate safely and we're very, very careful. So I would like to see people coming back, uh, really. But we'll, we'll take it one step at a time. Right. So, I mean, I just think it's fascinating for me. And I thank you very much for your time to think that this lava lamp that I first saw when I was at university probably (laughs) and have traced it back to here and finally know how it works and it's lovely to hear of a company who's here and growing and I think for anybody listening they ought to listen very carefully to what you're saying about exporting and and have a re-look and I think the answer is you were planning this for how long before it happened realistically? The second the the, the day after the vote. Yeah so three years of planning went into being able to carry on. Whereas people, I'm afraid, just thought it would all carry on and, and, and just didn't do their homework. So the lesson to learn is that you have to do the hard yards behind the scene, I think, to get these things done. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you for your time. And I hope everyone is interested to hear that this iconic product comes from Paul and will continue to come from Paul. And thank you very much for your time. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We release new episodes twice a month, so please go subscribe and catch up on the episodes you've missed so far. We have talked to some really great Dorset businesses. If you have two minutes to leave a review, we'd really appreciate that. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.